Well, good morning and welcome here. I think we can all tell we have guests today. And what a good reason to have them. We're so thankful uh, that all of you are here. And we're thankful also for uh, Jay and Mackenzie and their decision to be baptized. And that's one thing we're going to celebrate today. So welcome here to everyone. We're glad you came. This morning, I just want to read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to uh, set our minds on what's happening here. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And it is that spirit that unites us in Christ. What a joy. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you love us and care for us. We thank you, Father, that you have revealed yourself to us, not only in creation, but also through your word, and that you continue to reveal yourself also through your spirit. Father, we thank you for uh, young lives that step forward and want to stake their claim with Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jay, we thank you for Mackenzie, and we pray, Father, that uh, this will be a, a day that they will remember, and the day that, uh, that they can look back to and say, that is the day I, I made my claim with Christ publicly. So Father, as we rejoice in this together, as we listen to testimony, as we are encouraged by your word, by the singing and through our prayers together, we pray that you would add your blessing and that you would keep the devil away so that we can worship you without distraction. Hallowed be your name, amen. Helen. Good morning. For our song this morning, let's take our hymnals and turn to number 531, 531. Oh my soul, bless thou Jehovah. And we've seen the first three verses and verse five. Please stand.
This morning, we are baptizing and receiving into membership Jay Frays and Mackenzie Martins. I had the opportunity of leading them through the membership class, baptism membership class. Indeed, they were a privilege to be with. Seeing these young adults stand before the congregation and publicly proclaim their faith and allegiance to Christ is very encouraging, and I'm excited about this. Jesus gives his final instructions to the church known as the Great Commission. We're all familiar with Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This portion of scripture is the blueprint for the church. In verse 16, it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Wow, Jesus tells these disciples which were the foundation, the beginning of the church. And of course, Christ is the cornerstone and foundation. But upon the disciples were going to be going out and helping establish the church. They were to go, the mission, to go and proclaim the gospel, to make disciples, not only just to proclaim Christ, but also to develop them to become fully mature in Jesus Christ. And we also do that by baptizing them as people make a public profession of Jesus Christ. Today, both Jay and Mackenzie are going to be making that public profession before the congregation. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving Lord and Savior, we thank you for the special time that you have given us this morning a time when Jay and Mackenzie will stand before you. They will be baptized. Lord, it is a time that they take their stand. They will give their testimony. They have placed their faith in you. I pray, Father, that you would give them strength each step of the way, especially as they come and share their testimonies in just a moment's time. But we pray, too, that as they will go from this building, that your hand will be upon them, that you will guide and direct I pray now that you would go with us into the rest of the service. May everything that is said and done bring glory and honor to you. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, I'm going to call Jay and then Mackenzie. Both of them will come at the same time to give their testimonies. Then Pastor Victor and Debbie will come to assist them in baptism, in in the baptism. So Jay and Mackenzie, if you would come at this time. My name is Jay Fraze. I am the oldest son to Peter and Gisela, and a grandson to Gerhard and Anna Friesen. I grew up here in Winkler and graduated from Northlands Parkway Collegiate in 2020. Because my parents loved the Lord and set a good example, I can confidently say I had an excellent childhood. With frequent trips to Mexico and growing up in a house where us guys outnumbered my mom five to one, there was always something fun and exciting to do. Having attended the Winkler Birchtaller Mennonite Church since a very young age makes life without God hard to imagine. 
As soon as I could comprehend who and what God was, I accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior through the loving guidance of my parents. It wasn't until I really started a relationship with him that I noticed how he was moving me and the path he has laid out for me. Having felt God's hand of protection on countless occasions and feeling the peace that passes all understanding reassures me. I always knew baptism would be my next step in faith, but I never felt the calling like I did this past year. Romans 6, verse 3 to 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I'm very excited to proclaim my faith publicly with baptism and to do so with a body of believers that are as supporting and encouraging as the Berktaller Church. I trust the Lord will keep me and guide me, and guide me as I live my life for him. Hi, my name is Mackenzie Martins. I am 21 years old. My parents are Grant and Carrie Martins. I have a one and a half year old daughter and her name is Everly. I grew up in a Christian home surrounded by God and, and church since I was born. I grew up in Winkler and I grew up attending this church. I attended Sunday school and youth here and I graduated from Northlands Parkway Collegiate. When I was 10 years old, I went to Winkler Bible Camp and I love learning Bible verses and learning about God. I prayed lots to God and he drew me to becoming a true Christian. When I was 12 years old, my sister Taylor passed away from cancer. I didn't understand at the time why God would take my sister out of my life and so I drew away from the Lord for about seven years. At that time, I was in two really abusive relationships. I got out of those relationships and I started to read the Bible again and grow closer to God. At my lowest point, God drew me to himself. I confess to God that I am a sinner and I committed to living for God and not to live for others. I'm a people pleaser and I've spent my whole life trying to find acceptance in other people when I only need God's acceptance. I have learned so much about God and why he does everything for us. God is so powerful and everything he does for us, he does for a reason. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The difference with my life now is that I am sure of God's love, forgiveness, and his acceptance. He accepts me despite all my insecurities and fears, and he is slowly changing me as I learn to trust in him more. I know, this isn't, I know it isn't what other people would think of me that counts. It's what God thinks of me, and nothing in the world can stop him from loving me. I have never been closer to God than I am today. Thank you. At this time, I'm going to call Pastor Victor and also Debbie up along with me. Okay, Jay, you want to come and step into the water? Well, Jay, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you. Oops. Mackenzie? Once again, it was a privilege for me to work with both you and Jay, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The next song we want to sing is number 238, God Be Merciful to Me. Our scripture passage talks about forgiving each other, so the next two songs are about that. 
The next song is in your bulletin on the last page called Forgive Our Sins. It looks, uh, it's not, uh, I can choose the melody I want. So the melody I chose for today is the Lord my shepherd. So we'll sing it as that. So all four verses. If you take your bulletins, let's look at a few announcements. I won't spend much time on them. There are uh, events happening in the church this week. If you can look up yourself and uh, even some community events. Uh, but uh, we'll acknowledge our missionaries of the week, Don and Shar, and I encourage you to pray for them. And if you're so inclined, why not send them a note? Send them a little email that you're thinking of them, praying for them, and so on. And also the Zambia community, uh, Emmanuel recently completed a workshop educating children in life skills. The, uh, their orphanage school is overflowing and they're in desperate need of extra funds. So obviously that work is bearing fruit. Children are coming and they're ministering to them. Let's also pray for them. Uh, life in the church. Of course, we've got this baptism this morning that we're so very excited about. Pray also for Jake Hildebrandt, who is serving this morning at Evergreen. And uh, thank you to our Family Life Committee for organizing the banquet we had last week. That was so good. Some of our people who are in hospital right now, Mary Duick and John Suderman, are at Swan Lake. But also, uh, last night, uh, Nettie Jansen passed away. 
At about 8.30 p.m., she had had supper with uh, some of her children and uh, a little later on passed away. So keep that family again in your prayers. They've had a lot of ups and downs in the last year and a half, so remember them. I'll call the ushers uh, forward at this time and we'll have our morning offering. Would you please uh, stand to pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you this day that you are our God, that you have revealed yourself to us, that we might know you as our God, as our Father, as the one who loves us and has redeemed us from our sins and has granted to us eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus. Father, we praise and thank you. Father, we're also thankful for Jay and for Mackenzie, who today have stepped forward to declare their faith in Jesus Christ. And Father, we, we affirm that choice. We, we, um, we rejoice in it for their sake. And we pray, Father, that you would bless and keep them. We pray, Father, for Jake Hildebrandt, who is serving this morning at Evergreen, and pray that you would bless his ministry there. We thank you also for the work that Don and Shar are doing on the mission field, and pray, Father, that, uh, uh, that the fruit that they, they saw when they, when they returned uh, after being home for a few years, that that fruit would continue to grow, that they would see people step forward and want to uh, take up the ministry of the gospel um, as, as local believers and, and just see uh, other people come to know you. Thank you, Father, for the fruit that Don and Shar are able to see. We pray that you would protect them, protect the people that they serve, protect their faith so that it might flourish. We also pray for the community in Zambia who are ministering to uh, children in an orphanage. Uh, their school has, uh, ex is, ex is overflowing, as they say, and they are in need of help. And so, Father, we pray that that help will come, and if you would move us to do it, make us willing. Father, we also bring before you those in our community who are uh, suffering at this point. Uh, Mary Duick and John Suderman are in the hospital. We pray for them, Father, you know their needs. We pray that you would care for them, that you would uh, help them to, uh, to recover uh, so that they can um, carry on living as you have put in us a desire to do. Father, we also recognize that there comes a day when we are called home. And so, Father, we pray that your will be done and that you would prepare, uh, prepare us to walk that road. And then we remember the Jansen family, Father. Nettie Jansen passed away. And finally, the day has come when she has realized uh, the outcome of her faith, the salvation of her soul. Thank you, Father, for her life. Thank you for her uh, commitment to you, for her baptism and for her life that was lived in service to you. What a witness to us, and I pray, Father, that you would minister to her, her family, her children, grandchildren, all those who love her, and there are many in this congregation. So, Father, thank you that at the end of our days, you come and you take us home. Now, Father, with grateful hearts, we also want to return to you of the incredible plenty that you have given to us. Make us generous givers, and I pray that you would accept today's offering and use it for the building of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated.
At this time, I'm going to call Jay and also Mackenzie, if you would come at this time. It is indeed a pleasure to receive you into fellowship here at the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church. We would ask that you answer these questions in order to become a member of the church here. Have you made a decision to ask Christ into your life by repenting and turning from your sin? Have you asked him to forgive you and give you the strength to follow him? If yes, then repeat after me, I have surrendered my life to Christ. I have surrendered my life to Christ. I have surrendered my life to Christ. Yeah. In clear conscience, do you agree and will you abide by the constitution, doctrine, and belief of the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church? If so, answer, I do. Will you diligently seek to hear God's calling for your life? Will you remain faithful to the church and attend church faithfully? Will you seek to know your spiritual gifts and talents and be willing to support this church with your time, talents, gifts, and finances? If so, answer, I will. Will you fully support the leadership of this church as it stands in line with the Bible? And will you pray faithfully for the church as she seeks to do the will of God? If so, answer, I will. The last question is directed to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church congregation. As a congregation, will you support these candidates in prayer, encouragement, and fellowship? If so, answer, we will with God's strength. As lead pastor of the, of the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church, which belongs to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on behalf of myself and this congregation, we now receive you joyfully into the church's membership. Welcome. Welcome. At this time, Pastor Victor is going to come, and we are going to pray Pray for them together. There it is. All right. Would you bow with us to pray? Father in heaven, I thank you again this day for the witness of Mackenzie and of Jay, of their faith in Jesus Christ, and of their desire to be part of his body. Father, you know the tests that they have yet to endure. You know that the road that they are to travel and so we pray, Father, that you would strengthen them with knowledge, with insight, and with wisdom for the road ahead. And I pray, Father, that you would strengthen their faith so that it will not fail, but that they will be able to fa be, be faithful to you and live faithfully to the end of their days. Thank you again, Father, for their faith. Would you protect them from the devil who seeks to destroy us? And I pray that they might know your peace and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for both Jay and Mackenzie. We thank you for their faithfulness thus far, that they have made decisions for you, and now they want to join the church, and they want to grow as disciples in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would go before them, prepare the way, help them each step of the way, because it is impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength. 
We ask, Lord, that as you guide them, there will be obstacles that will be in their way. We pray that they will always choose you over the world and everyone else. We pray, Lord, that uh, your hand would be upon them, that you would give them grace and strength, and, Lord, that their light would be a beacon and would shine forth and attract many other people to Jesus Christ. Now we give them into your hands. Thank you once again that we can receive them into the church, and this is where they can serve you more fully. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. Today's scripture reading is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 5 through 4, uh, 11. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you. To some extent, not to put it too severely, the punishment I inflict on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by extensive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to affirm your love for him. The reason I wrote, to, wrote you to was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Thus far the reading of God's word. About 10 years ago, I was able to attend John Neufeld's um, church in Richmond, uh, in Richmond, uh, B.C., and um, he's you know, now does back to the Bible. But I remember going to the church, a number of us pastors had, had gone to visit the church. Uh, they had some uh, teachings there and some seminars that we all attended. And I remember on that Sunday, they had Baptism Sunday. Matter of fact, they had Baptism Sunday every Sunday. It was a growing church, a church where many people were coming to Christ. Every week, maybe five, ten people were coming to know the Lord. And um, I remember how fast the baptism went. There were, that, night, that day when I was there with the rest of the pastors, there were about six people that gave their testimonies. Now, it's interesting. They recorded those testimonies um, uh, pre on, uh, beforehand, and each of the testimonies were one minute in length. They quickly... We watched them on the video, then they came down in the, after the, they gave their testimonies on the video, then they came down and were baptized and moved on. Everything took maybe approximately um, 10 minutes. It was very quick. But how do you deal with people coming to know Christ one right after another? That was an exciting time. Now we have a smaller congregation, but we're encouraged when people come to faith in Christ in our congregation, they take their step make it public through baptism, and then join the church. And so we are extremely encouraged that both Jay and Mackenzie have made that step. In three to four weeks, we will celebrate Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We learn a lot from the life of Peter and the other disciples as we watch the storyline unfold. 
At the supper table the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus turns to Peter and he says these words. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Wow. What an evening it had been. During the night, the disciples argued about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But they were shocked when Jesus spoke to them that all of them would be deserting him in just a few hours. I can only imagine that there must have been silence for a moment, and the disciples' jaws must have dropped. And they were also asking one another, Who is it? Who is it? Peter is convinced that he would never do something like this. So he turns to the Lord and tells him that even if he has to die, he would never deny him. However, we all know the story very well. After Jesus was arrested in the garden, the disciples all fled. They all fled. A matter of fact, it was only John and Peter are the only ones who followed at a distance behind. After Peter denies the Lord three times and the rooster crows, Peter realizes what he has done. As he looks at Jesus from the near campfire, he sees no condemnation in Jesus' face, only the appearance of a loving friend praying for him that he would not fall into temptation. With this, Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. Indeed, this was the first step of repentance. Jesus didn't have to tell him what he had done wrong. Peter knew in his heart, and he dealt with it. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He gave his life to redeem those caught in sin. And each one of us are caught in sin today. We're caught in sin. We're born into sin. And there is no answer except Jesus Christ himself. After Christ's resurrection, Jesus answered, asked Peter three times if Peter loved him, and three times Peter replies that he did. Then the Lord reinstated Peter. Peter would never be the same, and especially after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Restoration came as a result of repentance and forgiveness, the way that we all come to know the Lord, the way we all walk with the Lord in our daily lives. The power came, the power to proclaim the gospel came as a result of being restored. This morning, as we continue our series, Growing Deeper in the Lord, I've entitled this morning's message, The Process of Redemption. The Process of Redemption. In short, someone in the church at Corinth had fallen into sin, bringing much grief to Paul and the congregation. This is not the first time that something like this happened. Previously, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 
um, 5, uh, verses 1 through 2, he addresses another person living a habitual lifestyle. And Paul said this of this individual. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that does not occur even among the pagans. A man has his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Whatever happened in this situation, the church must have resolved it because Paul does not bring it up in his second letter, the one that we are looking at this morning. Instead, he addresses another problem of sin within the church. The case now was that of another individual who had fallen in sin. The church then punishes him. He comes to repentance, although Paul does not, does not name the person or the details of the situation. He says nothing about this. Although he does not name it, he now calls the church to forgive, comfort, and love this individual. And there are four steps to the process of redemption found in this passage of Scripture, and we first start in verse 5 where it begins. The process of redemption, number one, sin brings grief to everyone. Verse 5, sin brings grief to everyone. Paul says in verse 5, if anyone has caused grief, he has not, much grie not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. It seems strange that as Paul addresses this matter of sin, he doesn't name the person or the wrong that has been done. There are probably two good reasons. First, the Corinthians were well aware of the situation and it didn't need to be repeated. Second, it seems this person had repented from the rest of the passage that we have read. So there was no reason to drag the dirt out anymore. However, Paul does address the situation again because these believers need to know that sin always affects others. Our sin always affects others, whoever we are. Therefore, there needs to be forgiveness by those who have been injured. And sometimes you and I would like to believe that what we do is entirely our own business. And nothing is true, no, nothing is further from the truth. Charles Harden, Haddon Spurgeon says this, Sages of old contend, contended that no sin was ever committed whose consequences rested on the head of the sinner alone, and no man could do ill and others not suffer. They illustrated in this way, a vessel sailing from Joppa carried a passenger who beneath his bed cut a hole through the ship's side. When the men of the watch rebuked him, what are you doing, you miserable man? The offender calmly said, what does it matter to you? The hole I made is under my own bed. This ancient parable is worthy of the utmost consideration. No man perishes alone in his iniquity. No man can guess the full consequences of his transgression. Adam and Eve could not have imagined the pain and the hardship that they would cause simply because they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. We must never forget that sin always has its consequences no matter who does it. And at some time, 
we all sin. And matter of fact, before we can come to know Christ, we were born in sin and we were away from the Lord. Although sin brings grief to everyone, the good news is that in, in the process of redemption is that discipline brings repentance. Verse 6, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. There is a real switch in the way that this congregation has dealt in, with sin in their midst. When Paul wrote the first letter, he rebuked them for not taking the sexual man who committed all the sins out of the congregation. Now in this situation, he tells them that the disciple, the discipline the body has administered is sufficient. In other words, the punishment accomplished what it was supposed to do, bringing this wayward person to repentance. So what does the Bible mean with the word discipline? Well, according to Nelson's illustrated Bible dictionary, it states this, discipline, to, straight, to train by instruction and control, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. The biblical concept of, of discipline has both a positive side of instruction, knowledge, and training, and a negative aspect of correction, punishment, and reproof. Those who refuse to submit to God's positive discipline by obeying his laws will experience God's negative discipline through his wrath and judgment, close quote. Most of us are not motivated to change unless an instructor encourages us to move towards change. The trainer will use harder measures when we respond to the gentle taps of the, on, on shoulders. This is the way for our, this is always for our benefit and falls under that terrible word, discipline. When discipline causes a heart to change in the right direction, we know we have genuine repentance. The next thing that we learn in the process of redemption is that after a person repents of their sins, they need, number three, forgiveness, comfort, and love, which brings restoration. Verse 7 says this, Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. In the Greek, to restore means to set broken a bone back into place. In other words, the fellowship has been broken, and after a person repents, the friendship is restored. With broken bones, putting them back in place is never pleasant. There's a lot of pain and suffering that takes place in the process. This part can be paralleled to the discipline, to, to the discipline a wayward believer could, would receive. However, once a bone is set back into place, then there needs to be some tender care shown so that it will mend. Of course, you take care of that. This is also true in a life of a wayward believer. They must be forgiven, comforted, and loved. And otherwise, they could be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. On the other hand, Paul indicates without forgiveness, Comfort, love, and a repentant person will be overwhelmed with excessive sorrows. Thus, this directly relates to our last point in the redemption process. Number four, 
Refusal to forgive allows Satan a foothold. Refusal to forgive allows Satan a foothold. Verses 9 through 11. Listen again as I read these three verses. The reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient to everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ and for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. In the past, the church did not do what was right, that they left the person in the fellowship living in a sexually immoral lifestyle. Now they disciplined another person, and he came to repentance. Now they needed to follow the last stage, which was restoration, and that was to forgive this individual. The fact is that when any one of us refuses to forgive someone who has wronged us, we allow Satan a hold on our lives. When anyone withholds forgiveness, then what follows is resentment. Hate and bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15, verse 15 says, warns us, see to it that no one misses the, grace of God, the, misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and cause trouble and defile many. Notice it can defile many. It's not just within our hearts, but defiles many. Anyone who refuses to forgive someone who repents sets him or her himself up for being out of fellowship with the Lord. The result is the same with all sin. It defiles many. It doesn't matter whether we commit it. It doesn't matter if we will not forgive. It doesn't matter where we are. It always defiles an excellent example of this is a person who, has tar, who is tarring a roof. Once you get the tar on your hands, shoes, clothes, it is impossible to go anywhere without touching anything else and contaminating what you touch. This is just contamination. You can't get away from it once you have tar all over you. Over you. It is the ooey, gooey, sticky stuff rubbing off on everyone and everything else that you come in contact with. The person who refuses to forgive leads, or this leads to bitterness, which in turn poisons the whole body. It not only affects your family, your church, work, and any others, but everyone you come in contact with. Oralis Augustine in Leadership Magazine, Volume 9, Number 2, says this. Here is the picture. The devil is like the mad dog that is chained up. He is powerless to harm us when we are outside of his reach. But once we enter his circle, we expose ourselves again to the injury or harm. Close quote. We enter the devil's reach whenever we, when we refuse to forgive. When others hurt us, we want to be the judge, the jury, the executioner. We would rather do the job because we probably could do it better than the Lord, or so we think we could. That is why restoration comes with forgiveness 
comfort and love when anyone repents. I close with this story as told by Mark Huckabee. He says this, when our son Mark was four years old, he was out playing in the backyard and got a splinter in his foot. He came in and held up his foot. He was crying and said, I got a splinter in my foot. I, I, I got a splinter in my foot. I said, sit down here on the couch. Let's look at it. So I looked at it. Then he held up his foot and I reached over to pull out the splinter, uh, pull out the splinter because I knew that it would make him feel better. And he said what every kid says, don't touch it, don't touch it. What do you want me to do? Take a picture of it and mount it on the wall? I've got to touch it. I don't, I can't just levitate the splinter out of your foot. There is no choice. It will hurt. He moaned. I said, it might, but it won't hurt for long. It will sure feel a lot better when I get the splinter out, close quote. How true that is to get the splinter out. Our lives revolve around relationships in our families, our friends, our work, and the other people that we meet and connect with. We can hardly go a day without offending or being offended. And that's right. Somewhere down the line, we offend one another. Either we offend or they offend us. How do porcupines kiss? Anybody knows? You've heard this? How do porcupines kiss? They kiss very carefully. So it is true how we get along in our relationships. We all come with prickles on ourselves. And we can prick the other person pretty hard and not even realize that we are hurting him. That's why the Lord calls us always at some time in our lives to repent and to forgive one another. We're called to repent. We're called to forgive. We're called to move on. How important it is for without forgiveness and repentance, there is no hope of relationship. And that's what Jesus did for us when he hung on the cross he forgave, we came, we repented, we turned to him, and he restored us. So we restore each one who comes against us or the other way around. Our closing songs, number 101, Glory to God on High. 101, let's stand. We'll sing the last one after the benediction.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us. We thank you for the baptism membership candidates that we had this morning. We pray for Jay and Mackenzie. We ask, Lord, that you would go with them, have your hand upon them, give them the strength to live a life that will reflect the Lord Jesus in all that they do. Lord, help us also that we will be praying faithfully for them. Lord, we have said that we would do this, and Lord, we will support them. Now we pray, Father, that as we go into this world, that you will make us a beacon and a light. May we have the life of Jesus shining from our lives so that others can see you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.